This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Good evening to you. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon as you're heading home or maybe you've been home and you've gone out for a walk or you're just kicking back inside the castle and you've tuned in to Sports Talk. Happy to have you with us on a busy Tuesday night. we got a lot to cover. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel here in Columbia. Chris Bergen from the Bergie Palace over in Sardis. Phone number 888 2525 to reach us over your phone lines. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number Four is here on Sports Talk. Busy show tonight as we look ahead to basketball tomorrow night with Clemson hosting Miami and South Carolina going to Auburn. Try and work in some comments from the two head coaches tonight, looking ahead to their games and talking about their teams. Also tonight, USC baseball coach Mark Kingston will join us to preview his club for 2024. The Gamecocks are ranked as high as, like, what, number nine in one of the preseason polls and 21 in another and kind of right in the middle. I think people are a little bit unsure what to expect from South Carolina, except that they think the Gamecocks will be a a regional contender, maybe a regional host, and the key will be getting to a super regional then hosting a Super Regional and getting a closer step to uh, Omaha. And Josh Harris, the first-year president of Darlington Raceway, begins his run with us tonight on Sports Talk. 7.05 for him tonight because Coach Kingston had to schedule for 7.35. Ordinarily, Josh will be with us on Tuesday nights at 7.35 as we talk about the Daytona 500, the start of the NASCAR season, what's been going on at Darlington as we look ahead to the race coming up there in May. So we have got a full plate for you tonight. You can add to it, 888-898-2525. Chris Bergen, how are you? I am well. Looking forward to a busy show tonight and kind of excited. Not overwhelmingly excited, but kind of excited about the start of the NASCAR season. If the season weren't as long as it was, I'd get more geeked up. But Mm. Hard not to be excited about the uh, Super Bowl of motorsports this coming weekend. So it'll be fun. Now, the question is, are they going to be able to run it Sunday down in Daytona? Because the weather forecast looking towards the weekend is miserable on Sunday. They're expecting about a half an inch of rain, I think, at Daytona. So it may end up being a Monday race. Mm. And if that's the case, that normally puts a damper on everything for NASCAR. But it's what you get for being an outdoor sports. <laughs> Until they build domes all over these uh, all over these tracks, they're going to have to deal with the weather. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is kind of a bummer of a way to start the season, but you can't control the weather if you're NASCAR, just like if you're the PGA. You can't control the weather. you got to exactly. go out and play mm-hmm. nonetheless. So a lot of stories to talk about. We'll get into those in just a moment. One thing I wanted to mention off the top that I was thinking about last night and actually looked at some numbers. So they've reported that the viewership on CBS and all the other outlets, all the streaming outlets, totaled to about $123 million viewers for the Super Bowl and they've been touting that as like 
well, I guess the most watched program of all time uh, when you consider all the various ways you could have watched it. Now the question is right. how many people really did watch it out of that $123 million. But here's the way I look at it. Let's look at it this way and tell me what you think. So according to Google, here in 2024, there are 410 million people living in the United States. Right, right. So if you do the math, 123 million watching, that's 36% of those living in the United States watched the Super Bowl. Now, the, the $123 million could have, you know, been overseas as well. We'll just assume they're all Americans, okay? That's 36%. Did you know that on February 9th, 1964, on CBS only, remember, we only had three channels back then, CBS, mm-hmm. NBC, ABC, on the Ed Sullivan Show, that the Beatles making their American debut on the Ed Sullivan Show. They played six songs that night. The television audience was 73 million. Now, according to Google, in 1964, population in America was 109 million. So that's 38% of the population tuning in to watch the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. So if you look at it from a percentage of people in the country who were watching television, the Beatles actually outdrew the Super Bowl 60 years later. So are you saying the Beatles are more popular than Taylor Swift? I would say so. <laughs> Absolutely. Certainly in my mind. If you were I to mean, ask the me. Beatles are way more popular than Taylor Swift. I have, a, I have another way to look at this, though, Phil. You, you said there are about 400-plus million people in the United States, yeah. which means about 260 of our – 60 million of our fellow citizens weren't watching the Super Bowl. First off, what are you doing? What what are you watching on Super Bowl Sunday? I cannot remember a Sunday that I did not watch the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, except when I was maybe 4. Mm. Uh, you know, once I got into my formative years, I can't ever remember not watching the Super Bowl. I mean, what are you watching? What are you doing with your life if you're not tuning even if you couldn't care any less about the NFL and the Super Bowl? Aren't you tuning in to at least uh, at worst watch the commercials, watch Usher at halftime, watch the pregame national anthem, whatever? I, what are people doing? I don't, well, I don't get you know, it. believe it or not, there are some people who aren't interested in A sports and B football. You know, I and, get all that. And they have other things to do on a beautiful Sunday afternoon and But Sunday the NFL evening. has done a but the NFL has done a terrific job of sort of crafting this as not just a football game. It is an event, and it is one of, by far, the biggest see, events of the year. That, if you peel back the onion, okay, of the 123 million, how many of the 123 million actually sat there and watched football for football, okay? Right, you know, right. let's get, get rid that. of the My women point. and the children who are just there, you know, watching on Nickelodeon or there to see Which Taylor's actually, or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> let's peel that back and let's just get down to the true football people. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about the betters either, you know, who are concerned <clears throat> about uh, how many carries uh, somebody's going to get in a particular quarter and the over under on this. No, people who are there to watch football, you probably have a you probably have a lot fewer than that $123 million. Because like you said, they've made it into such a, a spectacle. Me, for me personally, I watch no pregame and I watch no halftime. I tune in right at the kickoff. I might catch a national anthem, 
I think I did right. catch the national anthem. That's close enough to kick off because the teams. I did watch the teams come out of the tunnels. Mm-hmm. And I watched the national anthem, and then and by you the know way, what? Reba, way under two minutes, like uh, Lee Sterling said. Isn't that what he said? That it would be way under the the over under. Yeah, I think he did. Now she did an extra little little bump at the end there that extended it a little bit that I think worried some people who maybe were taking the under. <laughs> but anyway, that's from. But that's me. You know, I don't right. care about any of the other stuff. I, you know, I've followed it enough to, of course, maybe we're different because we're in the sports business and we're following it every day. You got a lot of people who are Johnny come lately's and just jumping on board the week of the Super Bowl and maybe they want to watch all the build up and all the uh, up close and personal uh, specials that they do. And that's fine. Everybody's got to do their own thing. But I think, you know, real football fans, you can probably reduce that 123 million. You probably cut that down to about 75 million who watched it for the for the pure beauty of the game and the love of the sport. Everybody else, you could probably say, you know, 40 or 50 million have some sort of ulterior motive for watching the game besides football. I think that's probably fair, and that's true of virtually but every 73 million people <laughs> yeah. wanted to watch the Beatles and nothing else. They weren't there to watch Ed Sullivan or Topo Gijo or any of those other acts that he has on or had on back. Remember Topo Gijo? Ooh. No, way before my <laughs> you time. You don't know. You've never heard of. Oh my goodness! I don't even know who Ed Sullivan is. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of this guy. You do know who the Beatles are. Please tell me you know who yes. the Beatles are. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, look it up. Do a Google. You'll find out all about Ed Sullivan. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. If you want to break it down by percentages, mm-hmm. because it was you know February ninth, nineteen sixty four, that the Beatles made their uh, U.S. Uh, debut on the Ed Sullivan Show, and then they did their first concert at uh, Washington Stadium in D.C. Then, of course, they did the very famous concert at Shea Stadium in New York. Then they went down to Miami, and they uh, hung around with uh, Cassius Clay, who later became Muhammad Ali. They were back on the Ed Sullivan Show down there. They did three appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show while they made that run through America. Keep in mind, the Beatles, for those who don't realize this, they were only together uh, for about eight or ten years. It wasn't a long run for them. They weren't the Rolling Stones, you know. Uh, they kind of hit the international scene about 19, what, 61, 62, and started breaking up in about 70, 71, I think. So you didn't have them for a heck of a long time. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, let's move on. 888-898-2525 is the phone number here on Sports Talk. High school basketball state playoffs begin tonight. We'll talk about some things with high school basketball tonight, the Coaches Association announced their all-state teams and class-by-class class, uh, players of the year. Well, why not give you those real quick while i got it in front of me. Class-by-class class players of the year, high school basketball. 5A boys, Cam Scott of Lexington, no surprise there. 4A boys, Tavares Bell from Westwood. 3A boys, Abijah Franklin from Wren. 2A boys, Braylean Thomas from Gray Collegiate. And 1A boys, DJ Harvey, Christ Church for the girls. 5A, Kiara Krosky from Sumter. 4A, Quinasia Abercrombie from Wade Hampton. 3A, Joyce Edwards from Camden. 2A, Tamia Watkins from Andrew Jackson. And 1A, Drew Watson from Military Magnet. And again, the playoffs begin tonight, heading towards the semifinals and the finals. What do you think about this, Chris? Right there down your way, the Florence Center is going to host all the state semifinals, boys and girls, and all the state finals in back-to-back weekends. 
And I, I don't understand it. I think we talked about it when it came out. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the upper state teams to have to play the semifinals down here, and then the winners have to come back down here to play the championship round. I, I just don't get why the high school league can't look and say, let's put the upper state semifinals up at the Bilo Center, Bond Secures Wellness or whatever it is now, mm-hmm. and put the lower state here or in Charleston or wherever uh, at the Florence Center is fine. But the finals need to be in the middle of our state. I, I, I just don't get why this is so hard for the high school league to understand. Don't make teams from, let's say, if, if Walhalla were to be in the finals. How far a trip is it from Walhalla, the last exit on 85 in South Carolina, down here to Florence? What's that, three and a half, four hour drive? And, say, and, you know, if it were in the upstate, you'd have the same problem with the kids from Bluffton and Buford and Hilton Head. I just we, – we make this way too difficult. Yeah. Find a place in the middle of the state for the state finals, and that's where they should always be. Well, and look, I don't know how it all works with the high school league and state government and all that, but I don't want to hear that money's a factor. That, you know, the, the USC properties, Williams-Brice Stadium, uh, Colonial Life Arena, they – should work with state government and the high school league and figure out an economical way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So you can use those facilities here in the middle of the state. Now, I will say South Carolina State was not a bad spot for the state championship football games last year. That was a good spot. That's when sort they got of the lights fixed. Middle of the state, yeah. That's <laughs> sort of middle of the state, just, just maybe a mm-hmm. smidgen towards the east. That's but, better. But close yeah. enough. But, you know, I still say, and I know the vastness of Williams-Brice Stadium um, overwhelms the crowd because the crowds aren't big enough, of course. But still, as a player, don't you think it would be neat for your coaches and your players at the beginning of the year to say, hey, man, our goal is to get to Columbia, Williams-Brice Stadium, play in that big stadium one time. What an experience that is, mm-hmm. along with playing in a state championship game alone, but the experience of playing either in that stadium or up at Clemson's Death Valley. But again, middle of the state, they should how you know and the the excuse has been USC has to charge too much for security and everything else the high school league doesn't want to pay that amount of money it shouldn't be a question of money no. i mean we're talking about a a government entity are we not in both USC and the high school league both overseen by state government in some way and there should be some sort of way to work it out whether there's a fund or something to fund state championship games so they can play it in Columbia. You're exactly right. For those upper state schools having to make the back-to-back trips to Florence, that's not going to be a whole lot of fun for those guys and gals. No, and I don't mind being provincial. I think it's great for the PD and certainly great for my town and my community and, and certainly my county here in Florence County. But, yeah, it's just not right. I mean, it's, it'd be great to have the semifinals, lower state, upper state, in geographic locations that make sense, and the finals should be in Columbia somewhere. And if USC can't figure it and, and get with the high school league and get it figured out, then Shane Beamers, what's his sales pitch to high school players across the state of South Carolina? Hey, let's come here. Let's play here. This is a great place. We're all in with South Carolina high schools. Well, then help them out. Wait a minute. Help the high school league out so you and just, find a way. You just, you just used a dabooism <laughs> That's true. under Shane Beamer. That is true. He welcome would never home. say all in. I, well, yeah. then, all right, all right, how about this? He would use we're, the we're using home. welcome yeah. home, yeah. then welcome the high schools home yeah. to Columbia. You don't think they'd be in favor of it? They see that as a recruiting advantage. Right. Well, and, and you brought up a great point about being able to play, and whether it's Columbia or if it's up at Clemson, 
there are probably 75, 80% of the players who participate in all five, now five and a half classifications for football that'll never, ever play collegiately and get an opportunity to play in a stadium that size. Mm -hmm. This is their one, pardon me, shining moment that Mm -hmm. they get that opportunity. I think it, it would be great for them. And I think we, we cheapened that a little bit by not allowing the, the players that opportunity, whether it be basketball or, or football. Now, baseball is a little more difficult because of the way the region district tournaments are set up in the whole nine yards. But uh, certainly for football, there should be an easy way to do this. And I would think there's an easy way to do it for basketball as well. It seemed to work at the Colonial Life Arena for years. I don't know why it's It's all about money. From what I understand, Mm -hmm. it's all about the money. All right, let's take some phone calls. Phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. As we get to your phone calls, I want to remind you that, boy, today kind of felt like beach weather, didn't it? Mid-60s, beautiful sunshine, clear as a bell out there, and you're thinking about your summer vacation. Well, make that phone call to Jimmy Smith down at – Pauly's Island at James Smith Realty, 843-237-4246, online at paulysvacationrentals.com for your perfect beach getaway. That's James Smith Real Estate, 843-237-4246 is the number. Okay, we uh, go to your phone calls, and up first is Jody in Lexington. Jody, welcome into Sports Talk on a Tuesday night. Good to have you with us. Hey, guys, good evening. Hey, I just wanted to follow up with what you're saying about these athletes wanting to play in the bigger stadiums. There was an article uh, I was reading about a – I don't even think they're a Division three school out in California where there's been a bunch of bad press, I guess, about like one of the coaches or whatever, and those athletes uh, are having issues with you know housing and getting fed and the proper equipment. But those guys said – they are willing to go to this school and have to pay out of pocket for some things just so they can get the exposure and go and play in one of these big-time stadiums when they play these big Division One schools. And I think it's the same way with high school sports. When they get the opportunity to go play at Death Valley or Williams-Brice, the opportunity for those kids to get to stand in that stadium under the lights, witness and, and have the experience of being there, because like you said, a lot of those kids will never get that opportunity. So I think it's a shame that they can't work that out and have it in a place like Columbia instead of having these schools drive halfway across the state. Yeah. Back-to-back week. Why like can't they work it out? Why can't – somebody explain to me what the deal is. Seriously, what what is well, the deal? I mean, uh, is not the high school league – does the high school say? league not come under the umbrella of some some arm of state government? Don't they come under something in the education department? Well, I, I don't understand, Phil. You, you know, you, as much as you say it's, it can't be about the money, we know it's about the money. But it ain't been that long ago that USC men's basketball probably didn't have as many fans as these high school state championship games in basketball would have. So USC can't use that excuse. I think the money's there. It's just a shame they can't make it work out. So I appreciate listening to your program. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call. What do you think, Chris? When I say it's not, it shouldn't be about the money, I mean, what I'm saying is I know there's money involved, but I'm saying that right. it shouldn't be an issue. It should be taken care of. It should be worked out so it can be affordable, so it can be done. And, you know, they got to get together. They need to get together and figure something out on this because, I mean, really, um, forcing these teams to go across state twice, and I know the Florence Civic Center 
will do a heck of a job, and they got a nice arena set up there for all that, mm-hmm. and, and they'll they do, do a great job. But I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, Stern, that's a that's a lot of traveling for uh, several teams. They're going to have to probably crisscross the state there on consecutive weekends. Ask those folks. I mean, they'll be happy to play in the state semis and the state championships, no matter where you put them. But if they could stop a hundred miles short of where they're going to have to go an extra hour and a half or maybe two hours in those buses, you think they wouldn't rather do that? Well, and on top of that, Phil, the other side of the coin is, especially here at the PD, we've had over the years several really, really good boys basketball teams. And you would imagine, let's go back a couple of seasons ago when Wilson was as dominant as it was. Darlington's had some really good teams. Hartsville has as well. You put them in the Florence Center, they're going to bring their entire city over to watch them play in the lower state finals against whomever they're matched up with. Mm-hmm. The state finals, though, you want to talk about a gigantic home court advantage. Let's say back in the day you would take Hartsville or as good as the Gaffney teams were. You're asking an awful lot of Gaffney fans to drive here for the semifinals, go back home, and then turn around and come back and then try and present a similar uh, atmosphere as what a team that's out of the PD would be able to have. Leslie Wilson, who's 15 minutes down the road, if, if that, from the Florence Center. Yeah. Uh, Clemson players invited to the NFL Combine. Will Shipley, Tyler Davis, Rook Ororo. Xavier Thomas, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., and Nate Wiggins. And Gamecocks invited to the Combine. Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett, Trey Knox, Nick Gargiulo, and Marcellus Dial. Those are the ones from the state of South Carolina invited to the NFL Combine. That list came out today. ESPN and the college football playoff have reached a six-year, $7.8 billion media rights extension for the expanded playoffs. So that gives that property to ESPN well into the 2030s, uh, well, through 2032. Um, So ESPN will have the 12-team playoff if it stays 12 teams. Through 2032, the full contract has yet to be completed. It's been reported here. So $7.8 billion, you know, that's going to catch the eye of all the um, agents and the supporters of pay for play and the, uh, mm-hmm. paying the players directly, uh, that's going to catch their attention because, I mean, that's a lot of money, $7.8 billion spread out over, uh, well, six years as far as that contract is concerned. So, Isn't that when the ACC's TV deal ends, the 2032 season? Isn't that went that big grant of rights deal that they've had so much trouble with? Isn't sometime, that when it's supposed to expire? Sometime around there. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. close to it. Yep. Yeah. All right, back to the phones, 888-898-2525. It's Hank in Columbia. Hank, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? By the way, real quick before we go to Hank, it's 2036 is when that grant of rights 36. expires. Okay, yeah. thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Mr. Fact Checker. <laughs> go ahead, Hank. Hey, hey, Corn, I was calling... Uh, I'm going to do you a little favor. It's going to make you do <laughs> well. Corin, uh, I, I served as the president for uh, Class 1A for the high school league for years. Then you tell us what 2000s. the deal is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's twofold. It's money and it's the accessibility. You know, uh, I, you, know I, you can't take a shot at the high school league for this deal because what's, what's going on is um, – what they used to have them all at the Coliseum, as you do, you step, and then they moved them both to Colonial Life Arena and had them all at Colonial Life Arena. And the games, the football games, were all at Williams Bryce. But as they continue to raise the price for the not only the facility, but the price 
those venues have their own security protocol. So you can't come in and say, well, you know, you know, since we don't have all these different level tickets and all, we are screened down. Security, you have to pay for their security protocol. And so the problem is, with the, from a money standpoint, is back when I was a president of high school league, whenever the teams came in, other than the expenses you paid for the facilities, all the other gate money went to the 10 teams who made it to the finals. So I remember in a year where we were cutting $10,000 checks for each team. So it, there were certain years where, let's say, like HKT girls and boys came. The so 1A school, they played in their state championship game. Each team gets a $10,000 cut after all the expenses. That athletic department gets $20,000. Mm. And so whenever you start um, – Whenever you got to the point where the prices got so much, the teams weren't getting that cut because it was all going to pay in for the facility and security. All right, well, hang on. Hang on a second. I want you, you have knowledge. You have working knowledge. You've been in the trenches with all this. So I want to come back with a question with you after the break. And we'll continue with more phone calls, 888-898-2525. Back in a moment. Welcome back. It's Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, here on a Tuesday night. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel, and a uh, crowd of thousands around the state of South Carolina. Also listening to us on our streams as we stream on the Chief Sports app, also on YouTube and on X, and on our website, sportstalksc.com. But don't forget, everything is put in a podcast form after the show is over within Mere moments of the show ending. We have the show up in a podcast form for you. Also, the elements up in a podcast form for you, and those are available. Just go to our website and click on podcast. Also available at Spotify and SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast locations, Google Podcasts, and uh, Bergy Podcasts, and Pat Podcasts, <laughs> and everybody's got a – do you know anybody – seriously – do you know anybody who doesn't have a podcast? It's like everybody's got a – everybody thinks – all of a sudden, you know, my entire career I heard people talk about, you don't want to be in radio. Radio – everybody wants to be in radio. Everybody wants to have a show. and amazing? Everybody thinks they can get behind a microphone and just start uh, jabbering and uh, and feel like people want to hear what they what they have to say. And I guess it's true. Like the knuckleheads that ran onto the field at the Super Bowl with their TikTok locations, I guess, uh, tattooed across their chests. Oh, you're kidding. Really? Yeah, That's they were TikTokers. Okay. Those were TikTokers. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess I, you and I just got it all wrong. I mean, these people make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, you know. Phil, the last thing anybody wants to see is you or I running out on a football field, you know, down to our birthday suit with mm. Sports Talk SC tattooed on the backside. <laughs> Trust me, that's the last thing anyone wants that to see. That would be scary. That would be a scary sight. But it's, it's just amazing. It is just amazing today what you got out there. But, hey, that's the world, man. That's the market. That's competition. That's what's out there. Uh, all right, phone number, 888-898-2525. Back to Hank 
have more calls in just a moment. Let me uh, pass along a few other notes of interest from today that we haven't touched on yet because it's pretty busy, kind of a newsy kind of day. Um, this was kind of interesting to me. The The ACC spent over a million dollars lobbying Congress last year, triple what it paid the previous year. The SEC, where supposedly it just means more, only spent 790 but doubled its spending from last year. This was a story that was written by um, the folks at uh, Sportsco and the point uh, Sportico. I'm sorry, Sportico. And you know the point is, what are they lobbying for? Obviously, lobbying for NIL laws and things like that. And that's another thing that I have to kind of roll my eyes about. I mean, nothing could be going on illegally here, could there be? When you've got uh, college conferences spending a uh, million dollars or eight hundred thousand dollars to lobby for for laws to be put in place. I mean, there's nothing under the table going on there, is there? No, and you're going to a group of uh, you. If you want to talk about um, maybe underneath the table, you're going to the perfect place for that because that's how Washington D.C. is run twenty four seven. And you're talking about people who can't balance the federal budget, can't handle any domestic issues, much less foreign uh, issues, and you want them to fix NIL. Hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I have no faith. Well, the in colleges Congress can't fix NIL. The colleges can't fix it, so you might as well turn to some other inept group and let them. And you that's know. the ultimate inept group: mm. United States Congress. Uh, USC men's golf team finished eleventh, seventeen under par in the Puerto Rico Classic. Georgia won it at minus forty-two. College of Charleston was fourteenth at minus eleven. All right, back to Hank, who was with us at the break go another minute here on this topic of high school leagues and state championship locations and why why i'm just asking as a citizen of the state and a sports fan and a citizen a tax-paying citizen who usually pays his taxes on time that uh why can't we which i need my form yes you do (laughs) same (laughs) they were technically due the last day of january that's neither here nor there (laughs) oh boy i hope no one from the irs is listening anyway um where was i before i incriminated myself oh why can't we fix this so we can just have state championships in the capital city in the middle of the state in columbia hank well again as i said the one big problem corn is is money because when the prices are so high um, then it cuts into the money that you're trying to reward the schools that get that far for. And so that was taking money from, you know, basically from the kids and paying for that expenses. And then the other portion is a number of states in the Southeast have their championship games like this, Alabama being one where they do it all in Birmingham. And the problem with um, them doing that, like at a, a Williams-Rice or a um, – a colonial life arena is you're still in the middle of college basketball season. So, you know, and the SEC controls schedules for the women and the men um, in terms of Yeah, but they, um, come on, they work with them like the circus comes to Columbia, the basketball team leaves town, they work that out. They know when these dates are coming. They can work it out. You're talking about two-day events now. You're talking about the semifinals and the finals. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about about the semifinals. The semifinals should stay in the upper and lower state. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Greenville should have the upper state and Charleston should have the lower state or or Florence. 
but I really yeah. think Charleston. But, yeah, I think the semifinals should stay in their respective divisions of the state. Only the championship yeah. games should come to Columbia. And so those – and that's what's happened with Columbia. I mean, they – they this time, last time, actually opened it up for – I mean, for the Colonial Life Arena and USC folks to um, bid and put in a bid or something that they could make work out to have it in the center. But, but you just – I mean, you can't – these things are a reward for these teams coming down there. And, and like I said, you take a 1A school like Ladder, and do you remember when um, uh, Ladder came? Um, no, Terrell's Bay came with Taft Watson, and they had the girls and the boys. Those teams go, those two teams go back home with 20000 mm-hmm. You can transform their athletic department compared to the money that they're getting locally. Yeah, I understand. I know, so, it's, I know it's a big payday so for them. All right, we're going to run. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Hank. Um, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, again, Chris, Pat, I just, I just think it's, a, it's something that needs to be solved with whoever is has the power to do it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would think that right. I'm not blaming the high school league because the high school league no. has to uh, work with the locations involved. And but I mean, are they bidding these things out to the Florence Center? Make some kind of big bid to win the so-called rights to host the semifinals and the finals. My my point is, it shouldn't be about the money. It should be about the kids. It should be about those schools taking home the dollars created by parking and attendance and and concessions. Figure out a way to pay for the security and and, and whatever other help you need. Figure it out, but keep it in Columbia. Keep it in the middle of the state for the championship games. That's what yeah, I, I mean. That's, that's just 100%. me. Figure it out. Put it Mike Anthony in charge. That's what I would do. Put Mike Ant. Put Mike Anthony, put Mike Anthony and Chuck Reedy in charge. That they'd figure it out. That's what I think. They they'd figure it out. And you get Coach Reedy in charge, then you have Outback, uh, Outback Shack or uh, Comeback Shack. Shack. Comeback Shack. Could cater all the food. <laughs> Comeback Shack. Cater all the food for them. That's right. All right, we continue as we uh, go to um, uh, Gamecock Larry. Is he with us next? Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry. How you doing, Gamecock Larry? Well, Haven't heard from you in 24 hours. Yeah, I just I wasn't going to call. I was going to let you rest tonight. Yes. But Chris said something to me that kind of got out of the old man's skin. He called the people that don't get to watch the Super Bowl. I don't know whether you call them anything or not. But I did not watch the Super Bowl one minute. I do not know who was playing in the Super Bowl. I did not know who the quarterbacks were. I didn't know nothing about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl ain't nothing to me. Hmm. I'm 90 years almost, and I don't care one iota about the Super Bowl. And, Chris, I'm just cutting the fool now. Don't get mad at me. Yes, sir. I get it. I get it. Don't be calling me. Don't be calling me. Something that I don't well, I don't know why you call me anything or not, but I do not care what I All right. Let me ask you this. First off, let me, let me let me clarify here. Yeah. I didn't call people who didn't watch the Super Bowl a name. <laughs> I was just asking what you were watching. What were you doing? Well let me ask you this, Gamecock Larry. Alright, Gamecock Larry, <laughs> on February ninth, nineteen sixty four, did you or did you not watch the Beatles? On the Ed Sullivan Show. 
I don't know what in the world the beakles on the head shovel and show is. If it ain't game cut, football, basketball, tennis, and ladies with the horses, and if it ain't some game cut, I ain't watching nothing. <laughs> it's got to have a game cock in it, huh? I had several game cocks in the game Super Bowl. Yeah, you could have watched Debo. You could have watched Debo in the Super Bowl. You could have watched. Uh, I know, I, I know, no, no. If it ain't Gamecock, Columbia, South Carolina, Gamecock, Larry ain't going to watch it. All right, Larry. Thank you. Have okay. a good night. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Sweet dreams. Talk to you tomorrow. Gamecock Larry, 888-898-2525. We go to, is Coach John Day with us? Hey, we got Coach Got Coach John Day. In fact, there was I was watching a show last night, and one of the characters reminded me of Coach John Day. He looked like Coach John Day, one of the characters on the show I was watching last night. Uh, Coach, great to have you with us. Must have a card. Must have a card show coming up, huh? We do. We sure do. What uh, you got? Sunday the eighteenth. Sunday the eighteenth. We'll be back out at the Embassy Suites. Uh, we'll have our our normal. We'll have about. 30 vendors and about 60 tables thereabouts on both counts and uh, lots of uh, sports cards, football, basketball, baseball. There'll be some Pokemon and there'll be some uh, uh, Juco Pop and whatever else uh, the buying public uh, is into. We'll have it. And uh, we'll have some Gamecock Clemson memorabilia, not as much as uh, in the past, but we'll have some out there for that. So we're looking forward to a, another good show. This is our Fifth year, wow! Going on our going on our sixth year, Phil. I, I checked the other night, and the first show that we did in 2018, there were there were eight of us vendors dealers. There were 14 tables, and we did a show. And now you're so up to what? 30, 30, 30 to 35 vendors. 60 to 65 tables. Fantastic. And again, so where we're, we're and when? What's the where and what's we're the when? The, okay. All right. We'll be at the Embassy Suites Greystone at the zoo exit. We'll open at 10 and we'll be through by 3, 4 o'clock. Whenever the vendors get tired of uh, hanging out, they'll uh, leave sometime. But if you can get there anytime between 10 and 3, you should be safe. 10 and 4, maybe. But, uh, We'll be there that day, and it's at the Embassy Suites Graystone. Sounds good. Exit. You enjoy. I hope you have a great turnout, Coach. I certainly. Uh, I was listening to you just a minute about playing in in Columbia, playing yeah. the state championships in Columbia. I'm yeah. really into that issue, and I've looked into it a little bit. And one thing I heard, and this may or may not be exactly the truth, is that the teams, schools, are not able to take much money home when they play here mm-hmm. and it really gets to be a problem. In fact, one of the main major schools one time had to give money back to the high school league to fulfill their commitment because the expenses were so large at the big stadium. So well, there, there's some reason, some rhyme or reason to not doing it. I, uh, I, I, I get I'm, I'm that. Like maybe you, I'm, maybe I'm, like I'm being Pollyannish and my head's buried in the sand and thank you coach and good luck with you on your, your card show coming up this uh, this weekend. Thanks, Coach. I, I think that they thank should. You. Uh, thank you both. Thank you. I think they should um, come up with a, a formula that you know guarantees each school that plays in a state championship game x amount of dollars, maybe based on their 
uh, their size, their classification, whatever, um, to put money in their pockets, okay, to take back, uh, and also uh, offset these the cost somehow. State government. This is one time, Chris. I would say state governments step in and come up with uh, take a little something out of the education budget and uh, and allocate it to the state championship games to give these kids. We're we're always talking about the kids, right? And educating the kids and what's best for the kids. What's best for the kids? I would say no question what's best for the kids is to cut their trips in half, play in the middle of the state, and play in the state's two biggest venues, Williams-Brice and Colonial Life Arena. It's about the experience, right? And I'm not sure you you could find a better experience, better opportunity to play your state championship. Again, going back to the point about the majority of kids will never play Again, after their high school careers are done, they're not playing college ball. They're certainly not going to play professional ball, so give them that opportunity. And I would hope you could figure out a formula if, if Coach is right, and I have no reason to uh, believe he's not because it's similar to what Hank said. I'm hoping that there's a formula set up where Hannah Pamplico down here in Florence, real small school, is not – you know, obligated to bring in as much in terms of ticket sales as, say, Gaffney is or, say, well, the Dorman is. It just, it just dawned on me. How about this idea? Why don't we have a one-cent, one one-penny surcharge on every ticket sold? Ticket? Yeah, at high school games across the state. One I'd penny. pay that if I were going. One-penny surcharge on every ticket sold, and that surcharge, that money goes to – covering the cost of the state championship games and i mean how much would you make i imagine you'd make a few million dollars off of that wouldn't you from a hundred what you got uh on a given friday night you got like a hundred a hundred games in the high school league across the state oh you're talking about all the way through the playoffs not just i'm talking final. about regular season per t- i'm oh, talking regular, about okay. yeah every school has a one cent surcharge one penny surcharge on a ticket that money it's a tax that money goes mm-hmm. to the state championship weekend, the state championship games. Could you do that? Could that be done? I think it could. They can charge you. They can the tax only, you for everything else. I would think the only blowback you would get is, well, what if my team doesn't go to state finals? Do I get that money back? No, you would no, hope no, most people. All, it's, you it's, would hope most people would not no. hold the high school league to that standard. But I'm sure you would get some people that that would be their thinking. It's a penny. I mean, I agree, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> but penny. even that, talking about it being a penny. So for every thousand fans you have in attendance, you're talking about ten bucks. So over the course of the season, just realistically, how many fans would you say throughout all the school, all the different schools, all the different venues, all the mm-hmm. different gymnasiums across mm-hmm. the state? How many fans do you think attend these all games right, all right, all right. year? A nickel. Sure. Okay. That makes a huge difference, right there. <laughs> just throwing that out there, like a, you're going to call it a penny tax. I don't know if that's going to go far, right, quite right, as far then. as you think. Let's go to a nickel. Let's do the nickel. All right, we got to hit the break. Speaking of. Uh, Taxes, this is not taxing. We want you to listen to our sponsors because they're great sponsors. And make sure that you uh, hit them up and take advantage of their services or take advantage of their advice. That's coming up after the break. College basketball tonight. You got North Carolina up at Syracuse, Pittsburgh at Virginia, Texas A&M at Vanderbilt, LSU at Florida, Ole Miss at Kentucky, Louisville at Boston College, Florida State at Virginia Tech. And we'll be right back. Hi, 
I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep that number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach that number Because they know you're healthy 605-7905 Zero dollar deductible 605-7905 727 is the area code. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports. And wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. All right. We're back. It is Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. And going to get back to your phone calls in just a second. 888-898-2525 is the phone number. And let's see if there's anything else I wanted to mention to you tonight. Um, let's see here. Uh, Rudy Jones, who covers college baseball really well in South Carolina. You want to follow him. If you're a baseball fan, you want to follow at Palmetto Base. At Palmetto Base. I guess he couldn't get the ball in there. At Palmetto Base. That's Rudy Jones. But he had a tweet the other day, I didn't realize this, that former Clemson and South Carolina 
catcher Jonathan French is now at the University of Houston for his grad student season. Okay, so I didn't realize that's where he landed, but that is where he landed. And uh, we go back to your phone calls, 888-898-2525. It is the one, the only, Tiger Bryan with us here on Sports Talk. Hello, Tiger Bryan. Long time, no talk. I, I, I'm going to tell you what. Hey, hey. I, I, hey. I, hope, I hope Gamecock Larry's listening. Because, you know, I love him. He's my brother from a different mother. Yeah. He just don't pull for the same team. But, uh, hey, it's boys and girls are kicking tail in basketball. That's all I got to say about Gamecock. Mm. I ain't pulling for them, but I pull up for, you know, Gamecock Larry. Well, you know, they got the best combined record in college basketball between men and women. You know that, don't you? Yep. Yep. And I, 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 I'm getting my heads up now. But you know what? You talking about a penny, penny for these high schools. Man, it's going to take about a quarter. <laughs> you'd go with a quarter? You'd, you'd pay a quarter, quarter more? Well, I mean, dang. I worked for the school district for 31 years, Corn. Mm-hmm. I know what it takes for, you know, buses and, you know, these, these smaller schools don't have the money the four or five eight schools got. You know what I mean? I understand. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I work from, you know, but I'll give a quarter every time I go, you know, yeah. Okay, so I we're mean, up to I a quarter. I started at a penny. Okay, um, I started at yep, a penny. I'm up to a quarter. I'll get Pat a raised quarter. us to a nickel, <laughs> and now you've got us up to a quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Y'all got to get off some of that rusty money. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. holding, guys. Tiger Bryant is your pot. I'm going to be a card on this seven card damn no pate. I'm about to damn fold myself. <laughs> but, yeah. How y'all like the Super Bowl? Um, I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a good game. I thought it was obviously a competitive game. And uh, the second half was real good. Yeah, I mean, you know, had a lot of drama to it. And I liked uh, some of the big defensive plays. I thought the DBs made some big plays. I liked the fact that the officials let them play and didn't throw a flag. Everybody made a defensive play back there in the secondary. Hey, got to run, TB. Thank you very much. Get that campaign started to raise a quarter. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network across the state of South Carolina on this Tuesday night. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel, Mark Kingston at 735. We'll preview Gamecock baseball tomorrow night. Gary Gilmore from Coastal Carolina at 635. Talk about the Chanticleers. Thursday night, Chad Holbrook from the College of Charleston at 735. We'll preview the Cougars as we get ready for the college baseball season. Also, Sunday, it's NASCAR back in all her glory. I know we had the clash a couple of weeks ago, but now it's time for the big boys to take to the track and do their thing, the Daytona 500, which means we're not too far away from racing at Darlington, the throwback weekend coming up in May. So we're looking forward to all that. And once again, we have with us on Tuesday nights 
the president of Darlington International Raceway. Now, we, we put the old guy, Kerry Tharp, out to pasture uh, the end of last year. We bid him, bid him adieu and wished him well in his retirement. And now we go young again as we welcome in the new president of Darlington Raceway, the new commander-in-chief of Darlington. We welcome in Josh Harris to Sports Talk once again. Good evening, sir. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. As always, our pleasure. Looking forward to a nice, long, extended run with us here and you there at Darlington. So how's it gone for you so far now? I mean, you've had several months to take control of this thing and um, kind of put your fingerprints on some things. How do you think it's gone? Well, so far, so good. They uh, haven't changed the locks on me, so that's always a good sign. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, – <laughs> We've gotten off to a to a really good start um, here at the beginning of the year, just working hard on all of our plans for throwback weekend in May and then obviously the cookout Southern 500 weekend and Labor Day. So, uh, so far, so good. What's the condition of the track at this stage since we last were there uh, on uh, Southern 500 weekend last last September? I mean, what kind of things have gone on around the track since then? Well, we've hosted a couple of community events uh, later in the year. Uh, we do a track lap event, uh, raise some funds through our Darlington Shares program. And then really it's just been a lot of maintenance, kind of off-season prep work that we do every year around the facility. I've been out taking care of the track a little bit, just doing a little maintenance and uh, gradually working on our checklist to get ready for May. You haven't gone out there and, like, changed any configuration or anything like that, kind of put your own identity on the place, have you? No, I'm not, I'm I'm uh I think I'm pretty smart to leave that track configuration the way it is. It's pretty unique and uh the old girl is uh ready for for some racing come May for sure. Yeah, I know she's anxious to get the get the cars out there. Are you guys going to have any sort of um testing sessions? Will will NASCAR allow anything like that? Will you have anything like that with drivers on the track between now and May? No, unfortunately not. The testing policy that NASCAR has now just limits the cup teams, the Xfinity teams, and the truck series teams from being able to test on a track that they compete on later in the year. There are some unique situations, maybe with a new driver coming in, where that could be a possibility. But as of now, we ha- we don't have anything uh, other than um, Rusty Wallace Racing Adventure will be on track in March for a Saturday. So if somebody has the uh, the itch to come out and take some laps around the track or you know, drive a stock car. Uh, that'll get her warmed up uh, in March. That's very cool. What's that date? Um, that will be March 16th. And Rusty himself will be there? No, Rusty won't be there, but it's his uh, his driving experience that goes around to different tracks uh, throughout the country. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Talking with Josh Harris from Darlington. As we go into this new season, the 24 season, I know – Following the drivers and the changing of the teams, that's one thing. Uh, what about rules and rules packages and things like that um, for the fans looking ahead to the race Sunday? Anything you can cite that's a major difference from last year that people will notice? I don't know that it will be a major difference you know, that, that will be noticed, but I know Toyota and Ford both have made some slight changes to their body styles this year. They worked on that. NASCAR allows them to, to work through the manufacturers, uh, make slight updates year, every two years. So Toyota and Ford both have made some adjustments. I think on the 
Toyota side, it's a little bit more of a flat front end to uh, maybe help them with those uh, drafting at Daytona and some of those tracks. But other than that, we've still got this will be the third year of the next gen car. So it's uh, still fine tuning, working on that from the team side. And I think it's going to put a, put on some great racing again. Mm-hmm. Josh, as we look forward to Daytona, I'm fascinated by the possibility of having Jimmy Johnson back there once again. And, and is it a situation where he's just, he can't quite give up NASCAR? Is he still wanting to ride? Did he retire too soon? Or is it just an opportunity for him to get back out and run the Daytona 500 once again? Well, I think, you know, he's a racer at heart for sure. And any time that we can see a, a now a NASCAR Hall of Famer right. get back in the car, uh, even on a limited basis, it's certainly exciting for the sport, the industry, and his fans. I know he's got a limited schedule this year with the Legacy Motor Club team that he's you know now part owner in. And I think it just kind of helps them, uh, you know, have an extra car in a few races. And, and those guys that run with him, Eric Jones, uh, and John Hunter Nemechek, you know, give them some experience uh, from Jimmy's perspective. And, you know, he ran IndyCar for a couple of years, and, and he couldn't quite give up the uh, the stock car. But I don't think he wants to race full-time. So this is a good mix for him, and we're certainly glad to see him. A little unique, you know, in the 84 car now instead of the 48 <laughs> that, you know, he was so accustomed to. But I um, I saw that paint scheme. It's a, it's a blue color kind of, you know, honoring the, the petty legacy. Uh, so it'll be cool to see that out there on Sunday. Speaking of the drivers, as we head into speed weeks now and start looking forward to the uh, twin duels and then, of course, the race on Sunday, if it's able to run on Sunday with the weather forecast. But which team, I, I mean, is going to Hendricks again? Are they going to be the front runners? Which teams, as you look at the uh, season from the outside looking in, which teams should we focus in on? And is it Toyota this year? Is it Ford? Is it Chevrolet? Or are we going to have to wait a couple of months before we're able to uh, determine which is the uh, dominant uh, team this year? Well, I think, you know, if you look at last year, there were certainly some high points with, you know, Hendrick won uh, a number of races. William Byron won six races in the during the season and mm-hmm. just couldn't quite, you know, close it out there in the championship round. So I, I think, you know, traditionally Hendrick always uh, goes after the pole at Daytona for the Daytona 500. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, see them do that again. But I think a, a team that I'm, I'm curious to see how they continue to build really had some momentum last year was was RFK racing Roush Fenway Keselowski and uh you know maybe maybe see how those guys do in in the Fords Brad's always been a really good uh racer at Daytona and Talladega so I'm curious to see how they do this year New president of Darlington Raceway, Josh Harris, with us here tonight as we start looking forward to the NASCAR season kicking off officially this weekend down at Daytona. And Josh, just from a personal standpoint, you've spent a lot of time at Talladega, so you know things about super speedways. How big a difference is going from Talladega to Darlington? Which things have you found maybe the most challenging? And maybe what unique things are you excited about working at Darlington that maybe you couldn't do at Talladega? Well, you know, certainly the style of racing is, is different, but I think that, you know, from being here all throughout last year, getting to experience our two race weekends, uh, the thing that's unique uh, about both is they, they just have that old school charm and feel about them. Mm-hmm. And you really feel uh, that NASCAR heritage when you're at either of those tracks. So I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about from a Darlington perspective is just continuing to um, learn our history and, and share that with our fans, uh, both 
longtime fans, new fans. And, you know, we're looking forward to celebrating the throwback weekend in May and honoring the history. And then, you know, it'll be the 75th cookout Southern 500 and Labor Day weekend. So a lot of things to look forward to and, and be excited about. Uh, the, the racing uh, at both places always delivers, though, and that's the one thing that, that uh, you know, you can't question. No doubt. One more thing, we'll let you go. Speaking of the throwback weekend and, of course, the 75th anniversary of the Southern 500 coming up at Darlington, have you guys made any plans yet about um, a way to honor Kale Yarborough? Is that something that is being uh, talked about as you think about plans maybe for the spring race? It's certainly been a topic of conversation around our offices. Nothing to share yet, uh, but I I know we will certainly uh, give – proper recognition to Kale and his legacy, uh, both from a NASCAR standpoint, but also a Darlington standpoint. You know, our, our garage was named in his honor several years back, five-time Southern 500 champion. Uh, so we'll certainly um, come up with some, some different ideas to honor his legacy as we get into throwback weekend. Uh, and then I think really it'll be even more special uh, once we get to Labor Day weekend. Very good. Last thing, uh, when do you think you'll start uh, seeing the teams uh, tweet out those uh, new the, their plans for the throwback weekend, their schemes and all that? You got an idea in mind from hearing from the various camps when they're going to start uh, making those things public? Well, we went up and met with a number of race teams in January at their shops and, and talked about throwback weekend. I know the teams have a busy schedule coming up uh, in the next you know couple of months, but we're hopeful that you know maybe by – April, we'll start to see some of those schemes trickling out, and that always gets the fans excited. Uh, you know, our theme this year is kind of celebrating our roots and really want to highlight those drivers' stories of how they got to the National Series racing today and kind of talk about their upbringing and what they did on their way up to, to get where they are. So we're excited about that. I think the teams are excited about that. Um, and then you certainly will kick off that – or that weekend will culminate with the, uh, with the Goodyear 400 on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to every weekend. Looking forward to every Tuesday with you, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, your hey, predecessor Phil. would be proud. Yes, sir. Yes, he would. And, Josh, before we let you go, I did want to give you the opportunity to promote your watch party uh, this coming mm. Sunday for the uh, Daytona 500 here in Florence. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, we, will, we will be over at Mellow Mushroom in Florence uh, starting about 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Uh, getting ready for that race at 2.30 on Fox. So we invite all all of our fan supporters in the area to come out and join us. We're going to have some games. We're going to have some prizes to give away, uh, and you don't want to miss it. So come on out to Mellow Mushroom. And then just one other little thing. I mentioned the Rusty Wallace racing earlier. It's actually Saturday, March 23rd, not not the 16th. So gotcha. One Saturday earlier. But, yeah, come on out and see us at Mellow Mushroom. We'll get the Sports Talk Pinto out there as well as part of the uh, Rusty Wallace exhibit. That'd be cool. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Josh. Take care. <laughs> See you. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See you later. Thanks, Josh. We got to indoctrinate Josh yeah, into the ways did. of the jo- of the mm. Sports Talk Pinto, and it's uh, it's many many victories uh, on that track there at Darlington that it uh, has enjoyed over the years. The many laps we've turned there at at Darlington, as uh, in the many. Uh, the many stripes that we've gotten from Darlington over the years. All right. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. And he'll be with us 7.30 on Tuesday nights uh, moving forward. That'll be his normal slot, which is the same slot that we've had for every Darlington president. I mean, we've had every Darlington president with us going back um, 
I think, four presidents. I think he's the fourth president to uh, join us on a regular basis on Sports Talk. So, so it would have been Chip Weil, uh, uh, Chip Kerry Br- Thorpe. Uh, uh, well, and, yeah, uh, Browning. Yep, Chris before, Browning. Chris Browning. Chris was first. Yep. Yeah, Chris was the first. Chris, Chris Browning, and then Chip Weil, and KT. Now Josh. So. Yeah, Chip speaks very highly of, of Josh. So if he's gotten the Chip Weil seal of approval in yep. NASCAR, he's going to go places. Yeah, I have no question. He's going to do a great job. Going to do a great job. And thank you very much for joining us. Okay, we'll hit the break here on Sports Talk. On the other side, some comments from Clemson basketball coach Brad Brownell. Tigers back at home tomorrow after doing something last week that was pretty impressive, winning in Chapel Hill and winning in Syracuse. That's pretty doggone good. That's a good week's worth. Good work. Good week's work for any college basketball team. A good week's work. He'll talk about it after the break. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. This is Major Billy Downer with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is here, and as you get ready to go out on the water this spring and summer, make sure you have all the required safety equipment on board. Check for a sound device. A horn or whistle will suffice for most boats. Inspect all of your life jackets. Make sure they're in good condition and are the correct size for all of your passengers. If your boat is over 16 feet, you will need to make sure you have an approved throwable device on board as well. Remember, boating safety is no accident. Big basketball game tomorrow night up at Little John Coliseum for Clemson as the Tigers try to build on what they've got going right now. They are a hot team after beating North Carolina and Syracuse on the road last week. What they've got to do, of course, is not go back home and lay an egg against a Miami team that's capable. Miami Mm -hmm. played North Carolina a close one at home the other day, ended up coming up short. Nigel Pack did not have a good game for Miami the other day. Can't expect that every every time out for that cat because 
he can flat light you up. Uh, the ACC conference call on Monday, Brad Brownell, Clemson head coach, was on there, took some questions about his team and the season. You went 11-1 against a non-conference schedule that is very highly regarded. You're the only team to win in Alabama this season. But your conference record's not quite as good as it was a year ago. Does that reflect the strength of this conference this season? Uh, yeah, I think the league is is really good. Um, I don't understand the, the narrative. I really don't. Um, you know, I, I just – I think there's some t- things that teams do in other leagues in the non-conference scheduling to bolster up their records and and some of the net numbers. And then by the time you get to conference play, I think that some of that has a, you know, it just elevates their teams maybe a little higher than they are. I don't know that our league really does that. Um, and, you know, obviously it's something we need to look at. Um, but I think our league is, is really good um, and very deep. And there's a lot of really good players and coaches, and winning is hard. And obviously, we're experiencing that this year. The game Saturday seemed to be one where Joe might have been a little too ready, too emotional, but yet he seemed to handle it perfectly. He didn't force shots and seemed to play within the flow and then got the 2,000th point. How perfect did that turn out for you guys? Yeah, it was uh, surreal. Um, unbelievable to think that he scored his 2,000th point while he was, you know, playing uh, in the in the uh, the dome. There uh, couldn't have worked out any better. Certainly for us with the win and and uh, for him to make big free throws down the stretch to do it. Um, I think he handled it very well. He's a very mature young man. Um, you know, certainly a lot of distractions with just family and friends and all of that. And just all the, the emotion that you have when you come back to a place like that Um, for him to play as well as he did, as efficiently as he did, I think just speaks to his maturity and and obviously the quality of his play. Uh, Coach, this past week you had two impressive wins on the road in hostile environments. What do you want to see from your ball club going forward this week ahead um, to build off that momentum and solidify and, you know, a higher seed within the NCAA tournament? Yeah, just uh, consistent good play. Um, you know, we've uh, – last week was a great week for us. I thought we uh, attacked both games. I thought we did a nice job uh, getting off to good starts. Um, and then we really finished games. Um, both games were tied with right around four minutes to go. And our guys made a lot of winning plays down the stretch on both ends, and I think that was significant – uh, you know, we've lost a couple of close ones here at home. Uh, so, you know, finishing the game strong would be uh, a nice thing for us to do here in, in Little John. Going back to those two games last week, it was it was almost like watching the same game kind of you jump out to a big lead. The home team comes back and, and ties it late. And and then somehow your your team just powers through. You don't have to call a timeout after, you know, a tie. And, and veteran players take over. What what has allowed this team, even though there's been some adversity, to, to be able to win like that and make plays like that on the road when needed? Uh, good players. I mean, that's at the end of the day, players have to make plays. We have good players. Um, you know, I thought we did what we needed to do in both games, got the ball to good positions, executed well. Um 
in some actions and, and some offense um, in both games. Um, I thought defensively, we just kind of, you know, we really stood up uh, for the most part. We had a little stretch there, a couple possessions where we made a mistake against Syracuse. Uh, but North Carolina, we stood up. I thought we made the other team take some tough shots. Um, but it's just having older guys that, that still believe, play with poise. You know, we've lost some close games. We've won some close games this year. Certainly those are two really good ones. Um, some of that happens in basketball. Um, but just being able to sustain, continue to play with confidence, believe in each other, believe in what we're doing, um, and then having the ability to knock down big shots and big plays when you need them. The look ahead to, to Miami really fast. It, it just seems like I didn't go back and look at the scores, but it just seems like Clemson and Miami is always going to be Within a few points going down into that final minute, why is that, that these two teams always seem to play these really close, tight games? Yeah, um, that's generally been the case. Uh, maybe not as much in my, at Miami this year. They pulled away from us at the end. Um, you know, I don't know. I just think it's it's very competitive series. Um, I think, you know, both teams have good players and really execute. Coach Larinaga and I have played, coached against each other a million times. There's not a lot of surprises. Um, you know, the game usually comes down to the last four or five minutes and the players on the other team or whichever team make the plays down the stretch usually win. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I don't really know that there's anything unique about that, but uh, it's just been very, you're right, that has been very close games for many years now. All right, Clemson coach Brad Brownell earlier this week, actually yesterday, on the ACC conference call talking about his team and talking about this matchup with the uh, Miami Hurricanes, Tigers at home at Little John, looking to uh, make it uh, a third straight win in ACC play. And, I mean, they're in good shape as far as the tournament. Nobody's got them on the bubble. Nobody's got them uh, last team in, first team out. Uh, if they just don't collapse down the stretch, if they might, if they go, you know, sixty percent all the way home, they should be in pretty good shape to get this thing into the NCAA tournament. Oh, I agree. I, they would have to have a total collapse not to get in now. With some of the road wins they've gotten, as he pointed out, the only team to win at Alabama this year. They won at North Carolina. Their South Carolina win at home, that comeback victory over the Gamecocks earlier in the season, is looking better and better each week now. But all they got to do is go play defense. I mean, you can't allow Miami to shoot 75% in the second half the way they did down in South Florida mm. earlier this season. And they should be able to beat Miami at home. I think a fascinating matchup to watch will be North Shadow Amir for or Miami against P.J. Hall. Uh, those two guys combined for 40, what was it, 42 points the first two uh, first game between the two. So that should be a fun one to watch. But, yeah, I think this is a game Clemson probably should put in the win column and, and needs to put in the win column. And I have a question. In this modern era of transfer portals, they talked about Joe Girard now 2,000 points. Who celebrates that? Is he 2,000 points with Syracuse where he didn't score all the points, or does Clemson get a piece of that as well? That's a good question. Plays for the Tigers. Does yeah. he go into the record books for Clemson as a 2,000-point score or Syracuse? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I wonder if they've talked about that behind the scenes with those who keep up with these stats. Be right back with Mark Kingston. Well, last time we talked with USC baseball coach Mark Kingston in person was after the Gamecocks had gone to Gainesville. 
came up short in the Super Regional trying to get to Omaha. But despite that disappointment, it gave the Gamecocks some hope for 2024 with the players returning and the players he added that they can take that final step and get to Omaha. Coach Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach, joins us now right here on Sports Talk as he's about to commence another season with the Gamecocks. Welcome in, sir. How are you? Hey, Phil. How you doing? We're doing great. Great to have you back. Great to have baseball back, and good luck to you and the Gamecocks this coming season. How are you feeling about this team? I feel pretty good. Uh, you know, as you've seen, we're in the polls. We're generally in that 9 to probably 13 range, which I think is probably fair. Huh? Um, I think if our, pitching, if our pitching develops as we hope it does, we can continue to go up from there. Um, so I think it's a good place to start. Um, I think our offense, obviously, is right now is the calling card of this team because we have so many guys back. Because we have two first-team All-Americans that anchor that lineup, you know, I think that's the natural place that people look first. Uh, but I'm hopeful that our pitching will surprise just like our hitters did last year. When you talk about pitching being uh, an if, is that a, in your mind, is it a big if, like you got a lot of concern, or is it a small if, like you know some guys are going to step up and get it done and it's really not something you, you lose a lot of sleep over? Yeah, I'm pretty confident that we have the, the, have the guys in that, uh, on that pitching staff to get the job done. We've got the, you know, the Beckers and the Joneses, and, and Roman Kimball, I think, is going to be really good. And Dylan Eskew is our most improved pitcher. Uh, reminds me a lot of James Hicks from last year. Uh, so we've got the guys. You've got Chris Veach at the back end. So we've got some, got some guys that we know what they can do, and they've gotten better. And I think we've got a lot of fresh arms uh, that just need opportunities to, to prove who they are. So I think we can get it done. Are you dealing with an, any a significant number of arm issues with guys who, who might pitch this year, but right now they're on the shelf because you got to bring them along slowly? Yeah, I would say Becker and Kimball are in that, in that category right now. Nothing long-term, nothing significant. But we're just going to be careful and conservative because it is a marathon. We're going to play the long game. Uh, you want to be best at the end. So – we're going to be careful with those guys early on. They have a couple things that are just little nagging issues, but uh, nothing that will keep them out long term. Boy, how fortunate do you feel to have a couple of players like uh, Petri and Messina, a couple of preseason first-team All-Americans, and guys who are arguably the best players in the country at their respective positions? Yeah, that's a heck of a place to start, isn't it? You know, it, And the crazy thing, Phil, last year at this time, we didn't know what we had quite yet in, in Cole Messina and Ethan Petri. As if you you remember, Ethan Petri did not start on opening day hmm. because he had struggled in the preseason. He was two for nineteen with eleven strikeouts last year at this time. Uh, so he wasn't he wasn't even in the starting lineup on opening day. And Cole Messina, you know, had, had just coming off winning the, the starting position, um, but we hoped that he was ready for it and could really you know respond in a good way and and he turned it into an All-American season. So, uh, you know, having those two guys to start, we're so much further ahead of the game than we were last year at this time. So that's always a great starting point when you've got two All-Americans there. Sure. Coach, if I'm not mistaken, I heard you at a press conference a week or so ago. You were talking about Ethan Petrie in particular and about what he's done during the uh, fall. And last fall, I think if I had my numbers correct, he hit one home run. He hit six 
this fall, and you were saying, does that mean he's going to hit six more home runs, six times more home <laughs> runs than he did last year? Doubtful. But what do you anticipate for a freshman who burst on the scene like he did last year? How do you, in your mind, do you help him avoid that dreaded sophomore slump and him be able to sort of duplicate or replicate the batting average and the doubles and home runs and all the power numbers he had last year? Well, I think the key with Ethan is to make sure he doesn't put too much pressure on himself. You know, last year he came out of nowhere and he caught everybody by surprise. Now everybody in the country knows who Ethan Petrie is. So the key for him is to make sure that he doesn't put too much pressure on himself. Uh, I think he needs to he needs to understand that teams may pitch him a little bit different um, because they know who he is now. They know how dangerous he is. A uh, good thing for him is he has another one of the best hitters in the country hitting behind him uh, in Cole Messina. So if they want to pitch around Ethan, uh, Cole's going to make him pay. So that's why it's really important that Ethan continues to develop his plate discipline, his strike zone discipline, because if they want to walk him a lot like they did to Barry Bonds back in the day, then Cole Messina is going to make him pay. But if Ethan you know, kind of starts chasing hits or swings out of the strike zone too much when they're not giving in to him, uh, you know, that's, that's when you see guys take a step back. And so we're really encouraging him to just, if you focus on your plate discipline and swing at the right pitches, you'll have another great year. What did you learn about yourself as a head coach to sort of navigate and manage through a season like last year where you guys were a consensus top five, you know, easy a top eight national seed for the majority of the season you get besieged by injuries and you fall off to a situation where you just host a regional but have to go on the road to a super regional. What did you learn about having to navigate through a season like that and what did your team teach you about their uh, resiliency as well and especially for the guys who are coming back for this season? Yeah, I would say two things, really. Number one, it taught me that the investment we had made in trying to create a close-knit team in terms of guys that would have each other's back, you know, it's well-documented how we went out to Fort Jackson uh, as a team and did some things together where they really kind of needed to bond as a team and as a group and, and have their, you know, learn how to have each other's backs through the thick and the thin. Um, and I think that really paid off for us when we went through some, some tough times. And I also thought for, you know, as a head coach, as a leader, just reiterated that they, players need a coach that would stay calm through that kind of storm. They don't need a coach that's flying off the handle, the highs, the lows, all that. They want consistent leadership. They want a calm presence that, that will steer the ship um, through the tough times. And I think, you know, just because we were able to get through that and then still finish the season, you know, really, really strongly dominating our regional and really going toe-to-toe with the team that, that was playing for the national championship at the end. You know, I, I think those are the two things that, again, showed me that you, you need to have a close-knit team because there are going to be rough spots in the SEC. And then as a leader, you, you need to stay as calm and consistent as possible. Do you think you've successfully replaced Wimmer, not only uh, in your lineup but in the field and in your clubhouse? Well, we'll see. You know, he was a very valuable player for us last year. And, again, last year at this time, people, people were wondering, why are we playing him at shortstop? You know, he was the second baseman. Why have we moved him over there? Um, but we saw, you know, through the nine months of the preseason, you know, how he had developed, and, and he became a really special player for us. A tremendous shortstop, double-digit home run guy, pro prospect, you know, was drafted in a good spot and moved on. Uh, so a guy like that's tough to replace. That kind of offense from shortstop is not common. It just you don't get that kind of speed and power and defense from that shortstop position. I mean, he was a true five-tool player. Uh, we'll go into the season with Will Tippett as our shortstop, 
Uh, he's one of our most improved players. He's put on about 15 pounds from last year, so that's improved every area of his game. Um, and so it's going to be hard to say we're going to get the exact same production out of that position as we did last year, but I think Will Tippett will play the game you know, at a very high level in his own right. What you got planned for your rotation this weekend? Well, we haven't announced it officially yet, so um, I, I want to get with my coaches. I want to get with, with our uh, sports uh, information people just to make sure that we get it out the right way. And so uh, I respect you asking the question and, and trying to <laughs> see if I'll slip it out tonight, but uh, we're not quite ready to re- release that publicly. No, I understand. I understand. Coach Backett didn't bite on it yesterday either, Coach. Yeah. So you guys you guys yeah. do a nice job of playing close to the vest. So you, you, you younger baseball well, coaches, you're slicker. The old guys like Leggett and Tanner, they'd fall for it every time. <laughs> well, I appreciate you calling me young, and and I will say we've been to a few rodeos over the years. <laughs> yes, you have. And then the older guys like Gary Gilmore out of nowhere announced their retirement live on our show. That's an- true. <laughs> hey, if you ever want to announce your retirement, we're the place to do it because that's where Coach Gilmore did it last last year, uh, much to no, our that's surprise. A deal. That's the deal. That's the deal. Um, that's everybody's coaches. Every coach's dream is that they get to choose when they stop. There you go. Exactly right. Point. Exactly. How do you feel about your non-conference schedule? I, you know, I know how you feel about your SEC slate, but uh, how do you feel about the non-conference schedule getting you ready for that SEC schedule? Yeah, you know, I think it's every year you you know that you've got the 30 SEC games, you've got the three Clemson, you've got the one North Carolina, so you've got 34 games that are absolute dogfights. So you want to schedule in a way that, that allows you to play a lot of home games so you can get some consistency. You want to be challenged. You want to play teams that you think will most likely finish at the top of their conference because they'll win games, and that will help your RPI. And mm-hmm. So I think, it's a, I think it's a pretty fair schedule as, as schedules go. All right, last thing. You're pretty much set, I think, on your, your, second, base, uh, your second base starter, right? You're pretty much set there? Yeah, Parker Nolan from Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt transfer has come in and played really well. Uh, I think his game is going to take another jump, just like Gavin Costas did last year from Vanderbilt. Um, he's he's really swinging the bat well. He plays a really solid uh, defensive second base, and the guy's proven. He, four years at Vanderbilt, uh, played in a national championship series uh, at Vanderbilt, so is a really nice addition for our team. Sure, sure. Coach, one more question, actually, while we got you. So many important people over at Founders Park do such a terrific job every year making it one of the best venues in the country between the concessions, box office security, the groundskeepers, and others that I'm forgetting. Any new additions or surprises or things for fans to look forward to or maybe with the grounds crew with Tim Flanagan and Donnie Lindler and those guys, any new uh, exciting outfield additions in the grass or anything like that? Well, I'm sure at some point they'll do some really cool designs out there. I don't know if they have anything planned for this weekend. Uh, outside of that, I think it's pretty much status quo. And you asked if there will be any more surprises. And so if there, if there are surprises, hmm. uh, I guess we'll have to let them remain surprises. <laughs> oh, <love> <laughs> Mysterious. <laughs> have you uh, settled on first base for this weekend? Is, is Cassis going to be able to play? What's your situation over there? He's got a, he's got a, a sprained thumb right now. So he's a, he's a TBA. Uh, the guys you could potentially see there are, are Cassis. Uh, Tyler Causey, a new addition from the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could also, believe it or not, see Ethan Petrie over there at first base as well. So uh, Cassis is a little banged up. Causey a little has a, is dealing with a little bit of a groin right now. Uh, so 
Don't be surprised if you happen to see Ethan Petrie there a little bit too. Who would who would play right field if if he's at first? You could probably see Dylan Brewer out there in his tenth year. Dylan Brewer. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's been he's been he's, around he's, forever. He's going to be a doctor. He's, he's going to be a doctor. <laughs> hey man, we're from the same hometown, so I uh, I know I know his educational back background. I'm not sure I want him cutting on me, but. Uh, Maybe he'll, he'll he'll slice some out of the uh, of the outfield for you. So, um, hey, we thank you as always. Uh, have a great uh, weekend coming up. Look forward to seeing you after the games, and we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Coach. Yeah, my pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you very Coach. much. All right, there you go, Coach uh, Mark Kingston. Only joking about dear old Lada. I was going I, to say, you can't backhand your own hometown. I'm like only that. kidding. I'm only <laughs> kidding. I don't know of any doctors that come out of there, but I'm sure maybe there's been. Uh, one or two, but it does seem like Dylan Brewer's been around for... He has been around a Between while. Clemson There's and no Carolina, doubt. been around about 10 seasons. So, All right, let me get to the recruiting, and then we want to hear from uh, Lamont Paris. Recruiting is brought to you by, of course, the great folks over at Seawells. The Daily Luncheon Buffet continues throughout the week. Make sure you get over there for that from 11 till 2. And should you need something in the catering world, the very best in the catering business, that would be C. Wells at 803-771-7385 online at cwellscateringsc.com. South Carolina is very much in the hunt with linebacker Tayshawn Alston. 6'4", 217, Henderson, North Carolina. Could actually grow into an edge rusher, but could play either of the other two linebacker spots. He's been to South Carolina multiple times for camps, for visits for games so he knows about the culture and the environment impressed with all of that he's been talking a lot with Clayton White DC and linebacker coach North Carolina is also very strong with him he's been there several times he was there the last weekend make that the first weekend of this month for a junior day he also went to junior days at Wake and Virginia Tech he plans to return to USC April 19th then stay over for the spring game the next day. He also wants to visit West Virginia and Tennessee in the spring. Today, he named the top six of USC, North Carolina, Rutgers, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and Virginia Tech. He's got the Gamecocks, he said, really high on his list. Abbeville safety Demarcus Leach was offered by Coastal Carolina. Receiver Travis Smith of Atlanta, who drew Clemson interest but no offer at this point, he named a top eight. Alabama, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Auburn, Colorado, Ole Miss. And offensive guard Justin Hazenheidel, 6'6290 of Rabin Gap, Georgia, has Clemson in his top 10. The others are Southern Cal, Miami, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Florida State, Penn State, and Michigan. There you go with the recruiting report tonight brought to you by Seawells. All right, the Gamecocks hit the road for a big one tomorrow night. They are 11th ranked. Auburn is 13th ranked. The Gamecocks uh, proved themselves as a ranked team playing at home. Now can they go on the road and back it up against a very good Auburn team? Yesterday, Coach Lamont Paris had a gaggle session with the media to talk about it. A lot of challenges. I mean, they got a good team. Um, They've got a lot of they a lot of different ways they can score. They're used to winning at their place. They're used to winning in general. Um, they're just a good team. They got a good inside game. Obviously, they have some real good perimeter guys as well, and a couple of guys that are in between too. So they just know how to play. They know how to win. They know what their style is. They understand what their DNA is, and they play to that. So um, we just got to go there, and, and uh, we'll we'll practice tomorrow on some of the things that we want to get better at. 
that will prepare us for what they do specifically. But you know, a lot, a large part of it will be us just being able to do the things that we want to be good at as well. Lamont, seven games left. You guys need to talk about first place, about the regular season title, since it's it's right there to be had. Yeah, we did, we haven't yet, but but to be honest with you, in my in my mind. Uh, uh, that last game was kind of, I think, what we, the domino we needed to fall before we could start having the audacity to look at what the standings are uh, and where we are in the standings, right? And so I think we are to that point. Certainly the guys have, and so we'll talk about it a little bit. But um, we're just we're focused on. We had a great practice today, tremendous energy at practice today, um, and so hopefully we'll have a good one tomorrow before we hit the road. But we're still, I think we're still really committed to trying to improve our product. I think there's still some room for growth in our product. And so uh, at some point that won't be the case. We'll be doing it all. We'll be playing the best that we can possibly play. And then you just try to do that for as long as you can. And you can't do that for a whole season. I don't think you can do it for two months. But, you know, if you can start finding your way into that mode here in the next week or two, I think you can't do that for the rest of the season and ride it off. So. Just worried about uh, getting better. Do you worry about this team now going into a game where the number next to y'all is, you know, a higher number than the team you're going up against? Do you worry about them that going to their heads at all, or you think they do a good job of setting that stuff aside? No, I don't think I'm not worried about that specifically. That was the case in the last game, right? Um, and so I just think uh, I think we've talked about the number, and we joked around that the number shrank over the weekend. Right? And the more things that you end up getting done, the number will continue to shrink if you have successes. But uh, we don't, at this point, it was, a, it was a big deal at one point that our guys wanted a number next to their name. Um, I think they felt slighted at some point. So we were, we were so focused on some other things that it kind of took care of itself that we weren't, we weren't you know, over the top with the number, consumed with the number anymore. Um, and so I think that's where we are. Um, they're going to, Auburn's going to play incredibly hard because that's what they do. Um, it's a home game for them. They're in a race with seven games left, and we're a team that's also in the race, okay? Uh, the fact that we have a number and where it relates to their number, I think there are so many more factors that are going to motivate them to play really hard regardless that, you know, by the time it gets down to that, that, that won't be as much of a factor. But uh, we'll just have to get prepared to go in there for a real battle. I think we've all had a plan of what we wanted to do and what our own expectations were. Obviously in November, no one's expectations met our expectations, but our expectations have, have always been high, not necessarily from a wins and loss perspective, but just for how we would approach the game, how we would play with one another and what that would look like as a basketball team. And so when when you have such a high expectation of yourselves that way, I don't think I don't think I think that you can minimize the amount of pressure. Lamont Parrish from his session with the media yesterday will be in Auburn tomorrow night so you can catch sports talk leading up to the Gamecocks and the Auburn Tigers. That game won't tip until eight thirty Eastern time. Auburn is in they're in Central Time Central Zone, time right? Zone. That yep. is Central. So, 8.30 Eastern Time. Too. 50th meeting between the two. First ever, according to Auburn's game notes, first ever matchup of nationally ranked teams between the Tigers and Gamecocks. Wow. Well, and, and another trivia question. I mentioned this earlier. You didn't know the answer. Neither did Pat. I did not. 
first Gamecock opponent at the Carolina Coliseum in 1969. Or was it 68? 68. 68? 68. Who was that first opponent? It was the Auburn Tigers. Gamecocks won by a point on a jumper by the one, the only, the great John Roach. The, I'd uh, love to take him to Auburn. Uh, they could use John Roach. Yes, uh, Auburn doesn't lose at home. They're 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 a totally different team at home than they are on the road. I mean, you saw them play at Florida; they were a mess over the weekend. But mm-hmm. you watch them play against Alabama at home. I mean, it's it's a totally different bunch. I bet they're twenty points better at home than they are on the road. Want to mention the USC women's golf team ranked number six? They won again. It's their third win of the year. They won the San Diego State Classic this afternoon. Final round of. Eight over 296, apparently some very tough scoring conditions. They won by a shot over Virginia. Hannah Darling paced South Carolina in the third round, a one under 71. They were playing at the Farms Golf Club, and so another win. That's 26 wins for uh, the Gamecocks under Coach, uh, Coach Kalen Anderson. 26 wins for her, three this year, and... They finished with a total of 880, a shot better than Virginia. Oregon finished third, then Georgia, then Denver. So, again, the USC women, they look like a team that could go very deep in the NCAA playoffs and the NCAA championship tournament when that rolls around here uh, in April. So, off to a good start they are. And, Phil, before we move on from basketball, Joe Lunardi came out with his updated bracketology a little while, just updates on our two in-state teams that are poised to make the tournament, Mm -hmm. and maybe Charleston and somebody else might as well. But South Carolina is now a fifth seed in the number 19 overall seed. The SEC has nine teams, and that puts South Carolina as the fourth highest seed behind Tennessee as a two, Alabama and Auburn both as threes. And then Clemson continues to move up. And they are now a five seed, according to this latest bracketology, in the number 20 overall seed. And let's see, South Carolina would face, according to this, they would face Yale in their opening round. And Clemson would Where does face... Where have them? Can you oh, read sorry. the location? Yeah, good, good point. South Carolina is in the east, and that, would, that first round would be in Spokane. <laughs> Wait. No, that's right. That's right. No, they move them all over. Even though yeah. it's in the East Regional, you can play in Spokane. Okay, I just want to yeah. make sure I was reading that right. And, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then Clemson is in the West Region, and they would open up in Memphis mm. against either Nevada or Utah. Yeah. Yeah, they got both teams have got to pick it up so they can play in Charlotte. We need both of them. If they're going to both be in, they got to play in Charlotte. That's not going to happen. I can tell you that we're not going to get that lucky. By the way, while Clemson was sleeping last night, they dropped a spot in the net. They dropped a spot. They went from 29 to 30 while they were sleeping last night. This is wrong, by the way. Uh, So he has the Clemson as a five seed, but when you click on the actual bracket, he still has them as a six. If they were the five, I think he meant to put them where BYU is as the five. So Clemson actually, if I'm reading this correctly, would be in Salt Lake City playing against Samford in the first round. Yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte. <laughs> That's what we want. Charlotte. They need to be there. That's the home of the ACC. And and then South Carolina being real close to Charlotte. They need to put those two teams in there to make us all to make us all happy. Phil, all right. we get penalized for the Gamecocks being in Greenville back in 2017 when they made a run to the Final Four. The NCAA is not going to allow us to get that lucky again. Yeah, really, that was If you want to go to the lucky. Final Four, you're going to have to go through Spokane. Oh. <laughs> to get Syracuse is leading North Carolina at the break, 
And Pittsburgh is leading Virginia. Ooh, that would be a yeah, shocker. That's a surprise. 35-31 at the break. Texas A&M over Vanderbilt, 31-30. Do you see what Buzz Williams did on Saturday in the win over Tennessee? His team was well ahead. It was in the final minutes, but he wanted to call a timeout, and he literally ran out to midcourt, onto the court as they were playing to call a timeout. One of the Tennessee players said he almost ran into him. Rick Barnes was not happy. Not so much I about him doing that, but he wasn't happy because of the the possibility of an injury that somebody sure. could run into him and get hurt. So, okay, that'll do it. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. And thank you, Pat. Yes, sir. Thank you, Gavin. It's good to see you. Appreciate everybody being with us tonight. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow.